When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue our expectations series where we discuss a pair of players, one from offense, one from defense, every night, and uh, talk about that with a local analyst and talk about what happened in 22, what they could get better at, what expectations we have for 23, and finally, what would constitute a good and great season for each player. Uh, here to talk to me tonight is Peter Kokoros. Peter, how you doing? Doing great, Ken. Uh, always glad to be back on the show. Just uh, enjoyed that great uh, performance by Dean Kramer with the Orioles. Got us another win. So that was, doing that was great. Are, are we starting <laughs> to lose confidence in Cano a little bit now? And this is being timestamped as July 5th, by the way, folks. Cano gave up his, I believe, what is his first home run tonight. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It, 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 I'm hoping that the issue is just we've pitched him too much and maybe, you know, it, well, we know he'll be in the all-star game, so he won't get quite as much of a break as he could have. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's definitely something that the staff is going to need to monitor, but uh, certainly would like to see him get uh, back to where he was before, um, get a little back to being a little bit sharper. But it's a long season. That's uh, that's definitely the case. Still got a long second half, so we'll see. Yeah, this was, this was a big win, and uh, I, I, I guess I had forgotten this was a four-game series anyway, but I thought the Orioles are down to their final chance to extend their streak of not getting swept in a series, which is up near the record of the Atlanta Braves uh, since 1950 anyway. There were some older streaks in, in early baseball, which featured a lot of longer series. But uh, what the Orioles have done is really fairly remarkable in terms of uh, playing very consistent ball basically since Adley Rutschman has been promoted. It's not all Rutschman. There have been a lot of other good players that have come with him. Uh, and it's really nice to see Colton Kowser and Jordan Westberg in the lineup tonight, both making big contributions. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, just great to see that that the rebuild has worked and that you know we've got a lot of good baseball to look forward to uh, for hopefully uh, uh, several seasons to come. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk Ravens here. That's what people are here to listen to. We're going to talk about two Ravens today. Anthony Brown, the quarterback. And Marcus Williams, the free safety. We didn't have to really say it because you probably knew who Marcus Williams was. Anthony Brown, you might have to be reminded <laughs> exactly who he is. But uh, but anyway, we'll talk about both of those guys. And and just to remind folks of what the format of this show is, we take a player from the offense, a player from the defense. It's a chance for me to do these with a number of different analysts and cross-sectionalize some of the positional group analysis. So since we only talk about one player from each, 
you get to still kind of talk about the other players in the position group and how they fit in with them and you know what the usage of these individual players are and how other players you know play may affect them so Kyle Hamilton is affecting for example a lot of players at corner and safety in terms of how they'll be used used this year so there's been a lot of Kyle Hamilton talk but uh, anyway that's the way we do it we're going to talk about Anthony Brown first and uh Peter, second-year quarterback who will uh, try and find a spot as the Ravens' backup. It's, I think it's probably not impossible, uh, but probably more likely ends up on the practice squad again. Yeah, that feels right now what seems to be the would be the most obvious path for him. Uh, I think what makes his training camp and preseason story interesting is that if if he can make a flash, you know. Um, Huntley's been here for a while. There are some pros to what he can do. Um, he certainly has, you know, good standing within the team from what we can tell. It seems like the teammates like him. Coaching staff has said good things about him. But obviously, there are some shortcomings with his game, and we saw that uh, plenty um, in this the end of last season and in the playoff game. So, you know, Huntley's contract, he... He was a restricted free agent. You know, he's he's back for one more year at least. Who knows what's going to happen after this offseason? There might be an opening there um, if if Brown impresses. Um, I think that Huntley's veteran tenure on the team gives him the inside track. But certainly, uh, I think the Ravens want improvement there. And that is an opening for for Brown, even if it is maybe a small one. Yeah, Brown's uh, Huntley's contract is not guaranteed, even though he signed to a, a low yeah. tender at six point, uh, sorry, two point six two seven million. Um, the savings is not enough to get excited for if you really didn't believe in the backup quarterback. But last year, you know, there was talk of two things happening. First was that Tyler Huntley could be traded because boy, we could get a second round pick for him, mm-hmm. which was always ridiculous. You know, <laughs> but the but the the question of would you do it for a four? was a more reasonable question in terms of other teams kind of jockeying for a backup quarterback that wanted somebody who'd who'd had a little bit of a track record. It got more realistic when Brown had 117.7 passer rating uh, with zero sacks and 9.9 yards per pass play in the preseason. Now, Huntley almost matched him from some perspectives. He completed 31 of 36 passes in the preseason. Um, so from an accuracy perspective, he was good. From a yards per target perspective, he's at 6.8, which is very Huntley. Anyway, <laughs> continue on from that. You have nothing to say, clearly. Um, Anthony Brown did not impress in his brief chances during the regular season. You know, obviously he's going to be playing against better competition, but he had a 48.2 passer rating for the season, 5.3. Uh, yards per pass play, including those sacks. Uh, he had four sacks he he, uh, he took uh, through two picks um, in that uh, uh, regular season finale at Cincinnati that he started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, while it, it was great to give him some extended action to, to see what he could do, obviously not. it was not the ideal situation, but yeah, it, when he actually got some chance in games that mattered, um, this play definitely left a lot to be desired. I, I think that there are some positives that we can take away from that Cincinnati game. Again, how much can you really take from that? Because once the Bengals got up by two and a half scores, um, 
you know, how hard was the defense really trying, you know, so the, the couple things that he did do well, how much can we really take from that? But, um, you know, it, it at least gave the Ravens some look outside of the preseason. Again, not something that I think they really wanted to do because ideally you want your franchise quarterback healthy the whole time. But, um, it, you know, it, it's at least gives us more to talk about here rather than just what he did in the preseason. Yes. And he got a little bit of additional time in, I think it's the week 14 game against Pittsburgh, but in an earlier game. Correct. Yeah. He uh, had thrown in there. Yeah. And, but <laughs> I thought one of the things that was interesting was the team went to Josh Johnson, a player outside the organization who obviously is familiar with the system. I said, I believe one previous trial with the Ravens. I have to go back and actually look at this. Yeah. He did not have a previous trial with the Ravens. I wonder if that was in a in the preseason or something. No, uh, no 2021. The game in Cincinnati. Okay, so 21-21 he did. Yeah. In 2022, did he, was he on the roster while Huntley was hurt but didn't see action? Because he's not listed as actually playing for the Ravens last year. Not last year. I think he was in Denver, actually, last year. He was not. He was on some other organization. San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh, right. Yeah, he was in there briefly in the NFC Championship, I mm-hmm. think. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> you know, this, this is this is uh, uh, a uh, Anthony Brown did did obviously get the get the opportunity against Cincinnati. It, it was it was nice to see him finally get in a game. Very different quarterback than either Huntley or Jackson. Uh, Huntley is sort of a very poor man's um, Jackson in terms of ability to move around a little bit. Mobility is pretty good. Very much a straight line runner with no jukeability is, is the major difference from Jackson, the major downgrade. Yeah. I I think that's something that you could say. And I think that, you know, you look at, at Huntley, excuse me, you look at, um, at Anthony Brown, I, I think, I don't know. How would you really d- describe him? I, you know, he's di- did rush for a lot of yards in college, but I don't feel like his rushing game translated as well to the NFL level. But he's not really a, a pocket passer either. I mean, his pocket presence has left a lot to be desired in the limited action we have seen from him. Uh, th- that's something that's an area for improvement. But I would say at the NFL level, he's pretty much a pocket passer. He's not a guy that I yeah. would really trust to move the pocket to uh escape extend etc he's he's more of a guy who the the play needs to develop as he stands there in the pocket you got to have pretty good pass protection to to keep him uh safe and sound he's got a big arm you know we've Mm -hmm. seen that in the preseason uh accuracy has not always been perfect but you know he completed i think it was 35 out of 47 in the preseason so pretty nice uh completion percentage to go with some tremendous uh you know yards per attempt numbers so uh, that was at least positive. Uh, we saw even in the in the game against Cincinnati, he did have some deep throws, even though he didn't have a particularly good completion percentage. I think it was something like 19 of 44 in the game for something like 286. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it's not good. Uh, you know, certainly with zero touchdowns and two interceptions, it's never good. But um, But there were some things at least you pick out and you say, he seems to be able to get the ball to Charlie Kolar. He seems to be able to use the tight end. You know, there were some things to pick out at least like that from the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, 44 attempts is quite a bit for for a guy making their first start um, in that situation. But um, yeah, and I think you mentioned some good things there with what he can do. Um, He did show in that game that he was able to get, you know, passes to the tight end over the middle. Uh, There's a couple throws in there they had that were, you know, not the tightest of windows, but, you know, they were being made in coverage. I feel like he challenged throws down the field and put wide receivers in positions where they could, you know, go up and, and grab a contested ball a little more often than, than Huntley could. Now, some of those throws were late. Sure. Certainly. But again, you know, we're talking about a guy who was undrafted. There's certainly going to be things that he needs to work on. Um, Definitely some traits that I think are intriguing, particularly with the Ravens going to a new offensive coordinator. You know, I think that's another variable that we can look at here in what is the the battle between Huntley and Brown for that backup quarterback position, whether if it's, you know, we're talking right now just at 2023, but, you know, beyond maybe the organization will look further at, at that as well. If Brown's on the practice squad this year. Um, so I, th- I think that's, that's going to be interesting. Would Munkin prefer Brown in that situation of a backup quarterback than Huntley, how much of a, of a say will Munkin have in that role? I think there's a lot of things you look at there in this transition um, that could favor Brown. Uh, you know, again, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> that, that that brings up a really interesting point, by the way, is how much of a vote will Munkin have in a decision like this? There are a few decisions which I just believe are at an organizational level and not at the coaching level, even though they're playing decisions. It was made the, the, the point was made a number of years ago when RG3 got benched that benching him had to be an organizational decision. It wasn't the head coach's choice to bench RG3 or not. And so the 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 general manager, Dan Snyder's general manager at the time, was jumping in and saying, uh, I, I forget, I forget exactly how the how the thing went, but but it was, you know, they're making the point it's an organizational decision. The big one in Ravens history that I hear about, and you hear defensive coordinators say things, defensive coordinators will say this to start with, we're going to put our best 11 players on the field. If I'm a general manager of that team with that defensive coordinator, I'm going to say, no, I don't want you to do that because I want you to work within our organizational philosophy that's going to allow me to manage the cap most effectively. So specifically, specifically, I'm going to give you a set of platoon weak side linebackers, and I want you to work with a dime back. So in a, in a sense, I'm dictating what you do on the field. Now, you may say, give me the set of players. I'll make my own choices about it. And I'll, I'll, I'll still say, if you go away from this dime back philosophy, then you're basically risking the cap of this team unless you can return to it, pivot back to it, on a dime, like literally, <laughs> immediately, <laughs> if if you need to, and it's it's the it's you know, there are just organizational decisions, and and that's at a fairly low level. That decision, it's it's you wouldn't think it to be really important, and yet it is. It's really important to the cap. It's probably less important to the actual play on the field. Probably less important. Yeah, and and so you 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 have a you, you know you have a, a a situation where the coaches should not overstate their own importance to this. Now that that said, why is this an organizational decision except for a coaching decision? Well, Monken could well say that Huntley is the guy he very slightly prefers for 2023. It's not his call. If the organization wants to reset on years of service 
and go to Brown, even though he's burned a year of service now. So he's is the right. Some yeah. of the sand has already run out of the hourglass. Okay, so he, he, uh, you know, it's it still could be the reasonable choice if they just wanted to save the two point six two seven million. You know, one of the things, and he can he can do it Socratically. DaCosta could do this Socratically, but he could go to Monken, Harbaugh, whoever wants to keep Huntley, and say, "Look, I know we love Tyler, but why is is he worth two million dollars of cap space roughly over Anthony Brown?" Um, or should we go with this guy with the understanding that we get Brown for 24 and 25? If we like him, we get him for 24 and 25. I think it becomes an, or- an organizational decision at that point. I don't really think it's a coach's decision. I think they are the um, child in the relationship. It's the wrong way to put it, but you know what I mean. A, a, <laughs> yeah, a, voting, <laughs> a voting minority, but all their votes together. You know, if there's if there's three people in that room, the offensive coordinator, the head coach, and and the general manager, um, you know, you vote and you hope it doesn't end up three to two. Because sure, yeah. <laughs> the, the general manager is worth three votes and the other two have one each. So yeah. it's, it's 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 just one of these things that that uh, uh, I think in in the end it's going to be Tacosta's call on 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 who they keep and uh, and it, it probably should be. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with what you're you're saying there, which um, you know, I, I think brings up an interesting question of of just, you know, so I mean, I think we could postulate what the front office would want to do, but obviously we're not in there in those conversations. We don't exactly know um, if I, I think this bringing in of Josh Johnson definitely sends a message that the organization is not. 100% sold that Brown is a guy, you know, that'll definitely make the team you're bringing in that vet. Um, I mean, that, that's kind of what that, that seems to say to me um, from what you saw of Brown. Do you think that it, it would be a good decision for the Ravens in a hypothetical to move on from Huntley to him just from, you know, I mean, obviously we've had two straight seasons technically three, if you want to count what happened in that last quarter against Buffalo where Lamar yeah. wasn't able to finish the season. Is it a, a good idea for a team with Super Bowl aspirations to uh, take that dice roll and having your guy who's going to come in if Lamar has to go down, you know, hopefully not, obviously, for an extended period to entrust that in this guy who's undrafted. I mean, Huntley was undrafted too, but we have a much better idea of what he can do. And he obviously has a, a, a bigger tenure with the team at this point. Uh, let me, let me lay out a little, a few bricks here, lay out some pipe. Um, they, there, it is a deep defensive team, sorry, a, a talented defensive team, but not a particularly deep defensive team. So I think they will decide whether Huntley is the right guy, as opposed to somebody else at some point when it's already too late to make the choice between the two. And that might not be, I mean, it, it, obviously, you know, Anthony Brown lasted on, on the uh, practice squad roster until they needed him. I didn't think that would even happen. I thought he'd be taken by another team before, before they did after the great preseason. I mean, there's quarterbacks get injured and right, yeah. backups are needed. <laughs> and Anthony Brown was one of the guys who had some great tape from that preseason. So it's, it's surprising to me that he didn't get, you know, a call from somebody, but he didn't. And, you know, the Ravens still had him when, when push came to shove and when they finally needed him to start a, start a ball game. Um, I, 
I, I don't know enough yet. I, I, mm. I, you know, I'd say obviously the upside with Brown seems to be higher. That we pretty much know who Huntley is. He's not going to get you through a playoff game. At least I don't believe he can. He almost did get him through that wild card game in Cincinnati. So, you know, <laughs> am I being unrealistic about that? I, I don't know. The Ravens do have a good defense. Um, I just don't. I, I don't think he's the kind of guy who gets you through even one playoff game. Um, and certainly not through a Super Bowl run if you if you got to win four and with increasingly difficult opponents as you as you go through this. Uh, Brown is probably not that guy either, in in all honesty. But at least I can see some upside in him. Um, neither of them is what I would call a game manager. I think they both have a lot of uh, three and out weakness that Lamar does not have. Uh, in terms of of uh, a lot of risk there, so I, I you know I, I just think the ceiling as a passer is higher on Brown. I think Brown probably would work better with an, a Monk in offense. Um, I'm not sure Huntley really fit the Roman offense, but they did scheme the ball out of his hands very quickly, to the detriment statistically of a lot of the receivers on the team. In particular, I mean, in 2021 when Huntley took over, you know, Marquise Brown became a five yard per target receiver. Uh, that was right. disgraceful. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no. And I, I think I'm, I, I'm kind of in the same boat where it's like, yeah, like you're saying, we don't have enough information yet. Um, that said, what what I could certainly see them doing, and what I, I'm kind of postulating they'll do right now is, like we're saying, Huntley remains the backup just because of um, familiarity with the team. He's, he's a veteran mm-hmm. guy. Um, Yes, we know there's weaknesses, um, but, uh, you know, there are some things that he does well. And um, it, it's, it's crazy. I was, I was been, uh, there's some, still some people in the league who, who think that he is better than some starters that some teams will be throwing out there this year, which I mean, you know, that, that might be debatable. <laughs> that's, that's not this topic, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I do agree. I think Brown is more intriguing from a passing perspective, but I, I think he'll, he'll need still another year or two to develop um, stashing him on the practice squad and, and hoping he stays there. And, and if, and if he doesn't, then, you know, it, it's not like he's an irreplaceable prospect. So I, I, I think that is more likely the way that they'll lean. I, I think that's very possibly true. Uh, just to frame up Tyler Huntley, he's about half a season, a little more in terms of total playing time now. He's gone three and five the starter, which is frankly pretty darn good for a backup quarterback winning you about half your games would be good. This is not quite half your games, obviously. He's got a 76.6 passer rating. Um, to me, that's about what you typically would expect from an NFL backup quarterback. Not much better than that. It, that would be terrible for your starting quarterback. But it's it's you know I would expect not much better than that, uh, and and probably not way worse than that either from a backup quarterback. The problem is he's had a net yards per attempt of four point eight nine in his career. That's just not acceptable. He's got no right. real pocket presence, so he's taken a lot of sacks, seven point six percent of uh, twenty five sacks in in, in three hundred and thirty. It looks like pass plays. Uh, to me, I can't I can't um, I can't make I can't make lemonade out of that. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then that's what gives Brown a, a great opportunity here is I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure that the Ravens are, are looking at that and saying, you know, you know, 
there needs to be improvement here. <laughs> so uh, there's there's a spot here for him if he wants to take it. But at the same time, you know, it, they're going to make him earn it. And if he doesn't, I think they'll fall back on on just the fact that Huntley has tenure with the team and and at least has some chemistry with the guys that are there. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And and I think there's also a pretty good chance that if the Ravens pass on Huntley as their backup, it may even send a message to the rest of the league that that the Ravens aren't sold on the guy and their backup wasn't any great shakes. Hmm. So they they you know they certainly could have made the change and they didn't pull the trigger, even though there was some gain in service time and other other things to consider. Let's let's go back to to Brown for a second then and talk about what a good and a great season would be for him. So in terms of Brown, what's a was, was, you'd give your good, I'll give my good, then you give your great and I'll give my great. And I'll tell you how I did this, but you use whatever method is appropriate to sure. you. Or maybe just explain <laughs> what your method was. I took the 60th and 80th percentile of what I think the outcomes might be for each player. So tell me uh what you would call a good outcome for Sure. Yeah. Um, I had to put some thought into what we wanted to do for here because, you know, what what Brown might want as a good and great season for him as someone who's trying to make it in this league might be different. You know, than oh, what yeah. we're looking at as far yeah. as the Ravens are concerned, so that makes it a little difficult. So, yeah, I think for him, a, a good season um, is going to be we don't see him at all. You know, he's he's on the practice squad and he is working with the coaches and refining his game for the future. Um, and you know, that that's uh, obviously I think for him, he he would love a chance to get on the field or something like that. But uh, that's going to be best case scenario, I think, for both Brown and and the team. That's fair enough. I have something similar. I tried to stay away from the notion of injuries because obviously opportunity generally comes from injury. Yeah, um, it's, that's how a lot of players get their first chance. And, you know, it, it's. It sucks, but you know, I, I think there are probably a number of pragmatic football players out there who might not really be rooting for an injury for a teammate, but they completely realize that that's where their opportunity is likely to come from, is something going wrong with the guy ahead of them. Um, I, what I would say is a good season for him, though, is continues to impress with camp and preseason play. He's got to continue to do that. If he, He's got to look good in camp. He's got to look more accurate probably than he was last year. He needs to look good in the preseason. If he looked as great as last year, there won't be any problem at all because he was unbelievably good then. Secures a spot on the practice squad. Stays there the entire season. I won't speak to activation because he certainly could be active if someone's hurt even for a game. It could be either mm-hmm. Jackson or Huntley is not able to go. He could certainly be activated. Uh, but I think the important consideration for a good season is that he remains a viable alternative as the 2024 backup by impressing the coaches with his ability to learn the system and practice. So nothing about his play on the field in 2023 other than, uh, you know, he's he's a viable 2024 option. He's still doing enough in practice to impress the coaches and earn their trust. Yeah, absolutely. So similar to what I said, but a little more in depth. Yeah, I think we're thinking along the same lines there. All right. And how about a great season? What would be a great season for Anthony Brown? Uh, I think a great season for him would be um, he has another strong training camp and preseason shows improvements on some of the things that that show that they needed uh, last year and beats Huntley out for the backup quarterback position. outside of an injury. So just, you know, they're both healthy and he just, uh, the coaching staff feels comfortable going with him over the vet 
um, and puts on some good good uh, plays on the tape when he's got to come in for for mop up duty and in blowouts. Okay, all right. Well, fair enough. Uh, I think that's that's would certainly be a great season. I went a little bit. I lowered the bar a little bit from that. I said gives the Ravens a very tough decision at backup quarterback uh, during camp and preseason. Whether or not they decide to pull the trigger, they may well decide Huntley's still the guy here. I'm just going to say, I hope Brown gives him a difficult decision to make based on you know the the uh, years of service, the additional salary gain and whatnot, uh, cap gain. Um, he earns the coach's trust with practice and work ethic. He's considered a viable 2023 option if something happens to Lamar, you know, God forbid, because that obviously mm. pretty much kills the Ravens season as we've as we've seen the last few years. Um, but the team doesn't have to look what I'll call outside the organization for a QB. And I'm specifically pointing at Josh Johnson in this case. He's on the Ravens roster right now. I don't expect him to make the team. Okay, so I expect Agreed. him to be a, a phone call away. Kind of like Mark Mark, Bart, Mark Bulger was years ago with, with backing up Flacco, but he, he, I I do expect that he's a guy that the um, uh, the Ravens if you know if if this is a great season then I think they don't call Josh Johnson if they have a problem Anthony Brown is elevated and he's either the backup or the starter as is needed. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. He did in the in the case. And in either case, I expect it to be part of the 2024 plans, whether the season is good or great. All right, we good? I think we are. I think we're ready to move on to uh, Marcus. All right, let's talk about Marcus Williams because uh, he plays fewest snaps ever in 2022. But uh, this is one key point that I don't think people realize. If you, if you look at PFF grades, you look at some other things, it's not really understood that Marcus Williams had by far his most effective season on a per-snap basis. By far. It wasn't close. If he continued his season, he would have been headed to All-Pro 1, probably honors, if he if he played the way he would over the whole season. A 42.9 opposing QB rate. Zero TDs, four interceptions among eight PDs in total, 6.0 yards per target. That, that actually is about his worst number, is that 6.0 yards per target. And that'd be fantastic. We'd be <laughs> berating a wide receiver for 6.0 yards per target. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and pointing to any number of guys, by the way, in recent years for the Ravens who've been veteran wide receivers come to this team and all of a sudden become six yards per target guys. Um, the other thing about Marcus Williams, missed only three of 63 targets on the year. Uh, tackles rather on the year uh it's a 4.8 percent missed tackle rate huge boon to a secondary that had a lot of problems with missed tackles over the last several years um and and a lot of tackling troubles in 2021 in particular yeah i 
there's there's it's crazy how many good things we can say about how he delivered on what we were hoping when we signed him in the off season. Um, a, a really a, a signing that really does not come along very often that a franchise can do this. I mean, what he came in, I think he turned 25 right as the season yep. started. Uh, former second round pick with New Orleans did very well there. I don't think he's ever made a Pro Bowl or All Pro team, but has been certainly pretty darn close given his play. Um, and you know, I mean, this is a slight aside, but I don't, I can't really think of another time in Ravens history where we've been able to sign a guy this young in their prime at an impact position, like a, a true center field free safety that he he's been. So the comparable um, guy would be Tony Jefferson. Cause I think they got him at basically true. the yeah. same age. Um, he, he might've been 25 years, nine months or something, but, but it wasn't that much difference. And it was a, you know, a long-term contract. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But, but I mean, still something very rare and, you know, we signed into a lot of money and we saw, a big return on investment in year one. Uh, unfortunate that he was hurt there in the middle of the season, but came back and just picked off, picked up right where he left off um, yeah. from the injury. Yeah. Literally if he had played the entire year and I've got to think about who else was having a big sack year, Aaron Donald or TJ Watt or one of those players might've been ahead of him, but he would, would have been right there for defensive player of the year. And in particular, if he hadn't gotten hurt, the Ravens probably would have ended up with a significantly better record, although they, you know, they still would have been without Lamar for a period of time in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was incredible. Geno Stone came on and really did the job playing for him. Uh, in a lot of ways, just his contribution to the 2022 Ravens and their success is in a, lar- a large measure forgotten, but it shouldn't be because he was awfully important to this team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Geno Stone, just another uh example of a, of a late round draft pick the ravens are able to to turn into a, a stud player but yeah i mean williams uh, going back to him uh really hope we get to see a full season from him obviously um he's he's had a very clean bill of health for his career yeah. um you look back on his time in new orleans very few games missed the couple that he did miss i, I didn't get a chance to look into what that was about but um and, you know, luckily the injury that he had, wrist injury, so that's nothing lower body, nothing shoulder, nothing that should really impact him, you know, this season that he'll have to take easy at all in fear of, of re-injuring it. So um, hopefully we can get a full season out of him and uh, just have a, a the secondary, hopefully not have the issues we had early in the season with converting to, to Mike McDonald's defense, but um yeah, I, I think the something to look something that'll be really interesting to look forward to this season um, with Chuck Clark gone. We'll be seeing how the Ravens want to deploy uh, Marcus Williams with Kyle Hamilton. Are they going to put Hamilton where Clark was, or are they going to put Stone there? You know, we, we'll have to see. But um, I'd imagine they'd put him where, where Clark was, and seeing how those two will will team up in that role uh, will be very interesting to see. You know, it is a real big question. I don't think there's any question over where you play Williams, though. I really don't. Absolutely think right. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's set a, in stone. <laughs> he's, he's a pure free safety. He's a rangy ability, and he's the best single high guy the Ravens have. the The other two, who are both free safeties, but aren't both the rangy single high types. Geno Stone um, does not quite have the speed to play single high, and in a lot of ways, 
what he did with for Williams was that more impressive this last year because it's not really his strength. His, his bailiwick is playing that very loose bracket coverage on the back end of cover two and being a guy who just can take care of mistakes. You see it in the preseason. You see how much he outclasses every other player on the field when he's in the second half of a preseason game. Uh, that's kind of what you want to see from uh, Stone during the regular season on, on half the field in cover two. The other team needs to come back. You, you got him available. They're on third down. I think you know that's a great place to get Stone in the game and move move Hamilton up to a dimeback role or leave him in the slot or whatever you might want to do. Um, so I don't think there's any question about where you leave Williams either way. If it is, if Hamilton does move truly to the back end, I think there's I think there's a pretty good chance that's going to happen. I also think the, the Ravens' need is so much greater at slot corner right now. There's also a, a decent chance that that happens. I couldn't even tell you right now which would be more likely, whether he'll play strong safety or play slot corner. But I think those are really the two options. I don't think, um, uh, I don't think he'll play free safety certainly, unless Williams were to get hurt. And even if he did get hurt, I think Stone would probably be used at free safety yet again, with Hamilton saying it's strong safety. If I had to, if I had to guess, based on how it went last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, I, I think what we saw from from Kyle where he, he really excelled last year. That, that seems to, to make sense of what they would want to do there. Mm-hmm. You think, so you think they'll keep him at, at slot corner? <sighs> you, don't, you don't have to say yeah, that. I, I, I go back and forth on it. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> right. I, I, I'm personally, I think that's the way they ought to go unless they, unless they can pick up a veteran who can truly play slot. If they, if they, if they were to do it on the roster, I really hate this idea right now. But if they re-signed Marcus Peters, you could end up with Peters, Yasin, and Humphrey back at slot corner, which I would really hate because I think it minimizes who Humphrey is. I think it might or might not benefit Hamilton. Although one of the things about the Hamilton decision, this is the basic thing about the Hamilton decision. The Hamilton decision is the most important one that the Ravens have to make on defense this year. It's not whether or not Queen plays on third down. Uh, it's it's not a whole bunch of other things that mm-hmm. that you know about playing time or whatever. It, it's how you make Kyle Hamilton into a superstar who is the most impactful as possible. He's a first round draft pick, probably a top ten talent. We got at number fourteen miraculously. Um, you know, it's he, he's a guy that they have to maximize. All the other decisions, like is Geno Stone really a much better football player than the other slot corner, which I really believe is is true right now. Um, I, they have to come secondary to how much is Kyle Hamilton going to be? He's just, he's the elephant in the room. You, you got to yeah. solve that first and then work around that. So I think that's what the Ravens will do. I think they, they'll, they'll make the best decision on how to deploy Kyle Hamilton in the most impactful way first. And if it negatively impacts Geno Stone in the slot corner position, they'll just have to work with that as best they can. It's not impossible. I think down the line, that even if they made the initial choice to put Hamilton on the back end at, at strong safety, where he'd have you know, a roving role anyway, that they wouldn't decide later in the year, okay, we just can't tolerate what's going on here at slot corner. We need Hamilton to move up again. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, I think like we're saying, the fact that you have Williams there and and his, yeah. you, you know that he, he's got the, the back end of the defense there, um, I think that that's definitely going to make things a lot easier for uh, planning and figuring out where to, to best put Hamilton because you got you got that part, you know, set in stone right there. Yeah. 
So Marcus Williams will turn 27 on September 8th. You mentioned the dislocated wrist. I don't think that should have any impact. Didn't have any impact when he came back. I didn't think. I thought he was was pretty much playing at uh, at full ability. Um, you know, there's a lot of really positive things I'll say about Williams, but I think one of the things we haven't yet is the appearance from his on field demeanor is one of a very good teammate. Now that's something I want to watch more um, in in terms of how he's relating to other young players, but. What he did after the blown coverage by Hamilton in week two against Miami. So Hamilton was responsible for mm-hmm. the deep left side of the field from the offense's perspective. He came up to the line of scrimmage. Williams noticed it immediately, bolted back in the direction. He was way too late, obviously, to get back there, but it's a touchdown surrendered by Hamilton on, on the play. Um, and if he were Marlon Humphrey, if he were Marcus Peters, he would have emoted on the field. We would have known exactly what had happened because he would have said something and shaken his head or turned his head at kind of a 45-degree a angle to try to get it across mm-hmm. to the player who'd, who'd screwed up, in this case Hamilton. Um, he made one kind of umpire's out gesture that's barely visible from one angle. And mm-hmm. I forget if I picked it up on the All-22 or on the regular broadcast, but it's the only real emoting that I can remember from him last season. That's a guy I would think who's going to not lose points with his secondary mates, and they're going to be good about taking direction from him. Now, accountability is important in sports. I don't want to say that you know you should never mm-hmm. you know call out a guy who's who's made a bad play, but on the other hand. I kind of like LJ Fort's methodology of kind of low-fiving Patrick Queen with some obvious words being exchanged that was a better way to try and get Queen to do the right thing. I'm not saying it worked, by the way, in, in, in Queen's <laughs> particular case, but 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 I liked it better in terms of it it, it being uh, a good thing. And it, we saw Humphrey and and others, you know, are are turning their head at a 45-degree angle. Um, I think it's actually uh, might have been Peters in, in one case trying to get across to Queen. You know, you're not thinking, you're not in the right place mm-hmm. on, on this play, and it's and it's hurting us. You need to you need to keep your assignment down. I, I think that Marcus Williams has more of that calm demeanor about him that will allow him to direct the rest of the secondary. And without Chuck Clark now, that secondary is in need of a player to to maintain proper alignments, make sure people are in position get on people who are not in position in a way that helps and doesn't create friction. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that's a really uh, good point to bring up. Um, you know, unfortunately the previous time that we tried to make a, a splash signing at, at free safety um, back in 2019, uh, Earl Thomas, we, we know <laughs> that that uh, was the anti Marcus Williams, at least yeah. how you've described Marcus Williams right there. And, you know, unfortunately, that was that was a signing that that should have you know cemented that position for uh, at least at least through twenty twenty one. I guess I'd imagine you know with Earl Thomas's age and the injuries he's, he had, he he might have already been out of the league by this point, um, j- just from his health, not you know his off the field and locker room issues there. I mean, he's um, only signed through twenty two anyway, so it, it would have been the longest. Time. And sure, usually, right. you would have you know release a guy in the last year of a big multi year deal like that. True. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
So, it, you know, maybe even if, if Earl Thomas had been a good locker room guy, he might have still got, gotten Marcus Williams by that timeline. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, that's that's actually not a point that I've I've heard uh, anyone else bring up in relation to the secondary and Williams. But I, I, I think it's definitely one that is is very important. Like you're saying, you got Hamilton will only be a second year guy. Um you know, his play greatly improved as the season went on. Part of that was, I'm sure, due to him uh, learning the NFL game better. Part of that was also the Ravens uh, putting him in maybe a little more of a, of a simplified role, like we talked about in, in the slot corner position. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's still going to be some growing pains with Hamilton this coming year. Uh, he's, he seems like a very smart guy. He seems like a guy who... Uh, you can understand why he was a first round pick, even if you don't follow college football at all, like myself, like you can see what, what scouts saw, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's certainly going to help him to have uh, a vet out there who is going to, um, you know, try and build him up uh, when something goes wrong. I think, you know, some players need that guy in their face. Other guys need that guy. who's going to give him, you know, like you're saying more of, of, I'd say a, I don't want to say professional leadership, but I think you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it underrated uh, observation there, but I think it's definitely something that that could definitely benefit uh, Hamilton's uh, development there. So we basically said two things that are that are significant about Marcus here so far. First of all, if he could just duplicate last season in 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 a way. Uh, he'd be so close to exactly what the Ravens, you know, to probably 150%, frankly, of what the Ravens paid for in this contract, that there's not going to be a question. But how do you start by defining a good season and a great season for him? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, for me, I, I think a good season is pretty easy with Marcus because, again, like we've talked about, since his rookie year, he's been incredibly consistent. Um, now, okay. If, if you look at some of the advanced metrics, I think his, his targets against and, and touchdowns, have, he's, he's improved in that every season, um, going forward. But, um, for me, I, I looked at three things, uh, number one availability, you know, fair or unfair. He missed more games than we wanted to last year. So I would say, uh, good season miss at most three, you know, suit up for, uh, as all, all but all, all but three. That's that's pretty good. Um, turnovers. He's pretty consistent in year in year out. He's been two to four picks. Stay in that range. Uh, eight passes defended. I, th- when you look at those, you know, quote unquote sexier stats, he's incredibly consistent. So I think just stay within those career averages and um, be a mentor on the field for for Hamilton and get these guys lined up. Take over that Chuck Clark role, like you're saying. Okay, that's very good, and I've I've got a very similar thing, so I'll just read mine quickly. I'd say produces on a per-snap basis at a level slightly less than 2022. And, you know, if, if first of all, if you did 2022, it's obviously a great season. It would be not mm-hmm. only that, it would be a defensive player of the year candidate season. So I'm not expecting that. But but a level slightly less is fine. There should be some statistical regression. Maybe he misses a few more tackles. Passer rating goes up to 55 or 60 instead of 43. You know, th- that kind of thing is just fine. But but he should be he, he should be somewhere near um, without quite being as good. 
But the, I think the important things are you know, how he affects the other players around him. So he solidifies the safety room with by still being able to play that top-end single high safety, which is why he's so valuable and so critical to the Ravens is their other free safeties haven't really demonstrated that at the other NFL level, despite the fact they have three of them. They really haven't demonstrated the ability to do that particular thing well. Um, by doing that, he gives McDonald a lot more freedom in terms of defensive scheme and the positioning of Hamilton in particular. They can move Hamilton up to the slot if they need to. They can have Hamilton robe and rob uh, you know, in different ways on a, on a by-play basis, which could turn him into Derwin James. You know, in terms of being a very exciting player, whether he's rushing the passer, whether he's, you know, trying to move into the box to erase routes, whether he's being a great downhill run defender, whether you move him up to the edge to, you know, provide that second edge look to an offense that that can often give the quarterback trouble, whether he's that hulking presence in the box, uh, you know, in 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 the in the short side of zone, he can do that wherever whether he plays slot corner or strong safety, obviously. I'm just saying that if if you have a great single high safety playing the back end, you have a lot of freedom in how you position Kyle Hamilton, which I think that's a lot of the value that Marcus Williams um, will bring. I want him to become the leader of the secondary, and this is just in a good season, so I've got a lot of demands, <laughs> um, in terms of alignment. Take those reins from Chuck Clark. Minimize the times when other players are out of position. I already know Marcus Williams is not going to be out of position very often. He's a great football player. He knows where he's supposed to be. He understands playing center field. He understands relative, you know, the the, the, the combinations of route concepts that are going on front in front of him. He reads the quarterback very well, which is a is a significant component of his range. I don't have any doubt about that. I want to make sure the other guys in position. And I think in this case, I'm really just looking for pre-snap positioning, making sure the guy understands what his responsibility is. If that's Geno Stone, that's one one question. If it's Brandon Stevens, it maybe is a bigger question playing, you know, a, a strong safety role. And that could happen this year if if uh, Hamilton is is called upon to play the slot again. Um, and, and I think maybe the biggest indicator that we got a good season out of Marcus Williams this year is that everyone is still saying it's a good contract for the 24 through 26 seasons when his cap number really shoots up. So in 24 to 26, his cap number is going to be 18.7 million, 18.7 million, then 20.7 million in 26 because they've already pushed forward uh, money. And uh, I, I hope that they'll look at that and say, no way can we live without Marcus Williams. We need him at that rate. And people are still saying that, that you know that's the deal. Now in the in the in 2024, there really isn't any chance they they can cut him because I think they have about a six million dollar dead money hit net net loss and net dud money uh, so they can't really cut him then but it's really about 25 and 26 that they're still looking at that and saying 18.7 sure it's marcus williams he's obviously worth that I, that's that's the attitude i want to have about marcus williams after this season you know he's kind of he's thought of in the same vein as roquan ronnie stanley mm -hmm. and lamar jackson and humphrey in terms of the contract the ravens have right now five enormous cornerstone contracts on this team and they really, if, if they're going to be good, they really need to get value out of those players. Yeah, definitely. Um, that, that was a lot, just like you said. But I mean, like we're saying, cornerstone player, he's getting a, a ton of money. So, you know, they, there's a lot that's expected of him. Absolutely. So what's a great season from your perspective? So that's a 60th percentile for me. I've won a lot <laughs> right. for the 60th percentile. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 
here's the thing, though. I mean, like we talked about, he was on his way last season to a potential defensive player of the year or being in that conversation. Um, you know, I, I I get we're saying that there might be some regression, but I I think that's what a great season is is him him being in that conversation, his play, whatever that is, being um, being noticed around the league. You know, I, I think you look at all the the great players who have been on the Ravens defense. Obviously we know them very well, but you know, who else knows them? Uh, you, you bring up any one of the great ones of that Ravens fans know of Terrell Suggs, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed um, are the, our fans of our divisional rivals can name them just as easily as we can. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think in a great season, um, Williams is going to be making big plays in those important divisional games. We are expecting the AFC North to be very tight this year. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if interceptions upping that would necessarily make it a great year. You know, there's, there's value in that, but I think his role is more important. Like we're saying in being the leader in that defense and, and negating big plays, I think, you know, continuing to have his passer rating against be as low as it was. So yeah, like I think what we're saying, a great season, is basically what he did last year, except that he plays all games. Um, at, at, in addition to taking on that role that Chuck Clark had as seamlessly as possible, and getting Hamilton to a role where where he's in the conversation for for being a Pro Bowler or, or All Pro team as well. I mean, I think that's certainly a possibility that Hamilton could get there as good of a prospect as he is in just his second year. I don't think that's uh, taking talking too far you know off of what his capabilities are at this nope. point in his career and honestly if Hamilton gets there a huge reason for that is going to be uh the play and the leadership of Williams it's going to be you know they're going to be interlocked I, I like yours a lot um I, I think that that it focuses on things that are outside of just Williams himself which I think is a big part of it um I, I had I did it fairly simply. I'm not gonna. I don't think it's realistic to expect Marcus Williams to play a full season on his per snap basis from 22. It just it's just too great. It's just would be too much a deviation from the rest of his career. Um, of course, he is coming to Baltimore, and you know a lot of players they just get better when they defensively, in particular, when they put on the purple. And if they're wide receivers, they get worse. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a balancing act. But a great season for me out of Marcus Williams is it delivers his first Pro Bowl. I think that's very likely if he has anywhere near the sort of season on a per snap basis he had last year. He's in the consideration for all pro. Um, he maintains effectively something similar to his 2022 per snap, probably. All that is 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 baked in there. But he becomes known for taking assignments and responsibility on the fly. So in the good season, I want him to know pre-snap where those players need to be and make sure everybody knows on the back end where they're supposed to be and he can move people around pre-snap in this one i want him to take or assign responsibility on the fly a little more than what we're saying now we've already seen this out of him in terms of running diagonally backwards across the field to try to take the responsibility that hamilton had evacuated in that week two touchdown allowed that's part of it but if he can also you know manage other players on the field uh, during the play, that would be absolutely fantastic. And and some of that means managing them, but also knowing how to play team defense yourself to work with their strengths. 
um, is, is a very important part of that. And the other thing is that I want his instincts as a ball hawk to continue to show up in spades. He's got to actually create turnovers to provide mm-hmm. the value that, that the Ravens have paid him. And uh, I think he's, he's in a prime position to do so because I think McDonald's pressure schemes – and the things the rest of the Ravens defense can do with Roquan, with Patrick Queen delivering pressure, uh, with some of the other um, first-man pressures that don't always result in sacks for the Ravens. Uh, they have a lot of first-man pressure, second-man sack situations. But I, you know that also creates opportunities for the secondary to, to make plays on the football. Marcus Peters was king of that, um, but there's no reason why other players can't also take advantage of that. I think Marcus Williams is, is the best of the current Ravens. Maybe Hamilton, the second best, uh, to, to to be put in a position to do that. So that would be a great season for me. Is is it's it's effectively a, a lot, a high percentage of that 2022 first mm-hmm. that productivity, and and then the, these other ancillary things that I really want to see as well. Yeah. Absolutely, it's greedy as hell. Well, it, just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it might be a 95th percentile for both of us. That's what we asked for. Oh man, I I, I mean he. That's how good he is. You know, he, he's certainly capable of, of delivering all that. All right. Well, great talking about this with you, Peter. Always fun to have you on the show and, and get a chance to talk football with you. Tell folks where they can uh, talk with you online or, or listen to your show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am one of uh, the members of One Winning Pod at One Winning Pod on Twitter. Uh, I do that show with Alec Polianis. He's on this show a ton. And uh, Chris Rayborg has on, been on a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the... Well, you'll, you're here for me the most. I am on on Twitter. My Twitter handle is is in our uh, description there, but um, just haven't been tweeting terribly much from there. So most of what you'll hear from me will be on the pod. All right. Outstanding, Peter. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, there's still time in July. Hit me up with your idea for an episode uh, on a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'll get back to you very quickly, I promise. Had some great show ideas come over, but I still have about five player pairings to assign if you'd like to do one of these they will go quickly so hit me up and i'll uh, you know you get what you get at this point is what i'll, what I'll say although all the, a lot of the good ones have been taken um but there's still a few left that usually have one very interesting player and and one not so interesting player so anthony brown and and uh uh williams is a case where you know you, you anthony brown does not have the same gravitas as as marcus williams does but you know that's the kind of pairing you uh, uh you, you might have available Peter, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.